If you will take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis in chapter 18. There's two places I want you to turn. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 18 and then also turn to uh, Luke chapter, make sure, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. For some reason, I always want to make it Luke chapter 2. So rechecking that. I just want to encourage this this evening, and um, you'll see that as we go along uh, regarding this particular subject. I want to speak to you tonight on what mighty God we serve. I think we all know that. It's easy to forget that. How mighty God is, how wonderful He is, how great He is on all fronts. I was sitting thinking as well while Brother Hemet was praying over the needs of our church, how that our God uh, works in the background as well. Um, and, and you know, somebody said one time, he said, there's as much reason to believe in God as there is not to believe in God. In other words, as we find in scriptures, we watch him through eyes of faith. And those that don't have faith just think it's coincidence, circumstance, whatever that may be. But we know our God's always on the move. He's always working. He's always uh, uh, doing His wonders in our lives personally as well as uh, nationally and on a world level. But in chapter 18 of the book of uh, Genesis, um, and when I read these two stories, one of them is the birth of Isaac, the other one is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't believe there are any two stories in the Bible that are any more pivotal and powerful than these two from the standpoint that they are irrefutable in how God works. And as we look at chapter 18, we realize in the first few verses there is when Abraham got the visitors, they came in and talked to him and, and um, you know, the sad events of Sodom and Gomorrah are going to take place. But something else happens. Um, it, it begins in verse 6 where it says, And Abraham hastened unto the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd and, and uh, fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood um, by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is uh, Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And uh, he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And we, I hope, hope we understand this is God doing the speaking here, uh, a theophany. And uh, lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14 kind of puts a the fence around what we want to do is anything too hard for the Lord. That, and that's why I say this story, the next story is pivotal and powerful because it all pivots on the power of God and His working in our lives personally 
and larger than that on a world basis. Obviously, we realize that Isaac coming in this world, God told him he's going to be a blessing to the world. And this is the line through which Jesus Christ would come. And so Sarah laughed. She uh, had her doubts about this kind of thing. And so the Lord just directly asks, is anything too hard for the Lord. Again, we understand that Sarah was 90 years old, Abraham 100 years old. And uh, one year before Isaac's birth, the Lord reminded Sarah and Abraham what was going to take place, but she doubted. And so God responded, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now I want us to think on that. Now as we move to Luke chapter 1, we come to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we understand that circumstance there. Verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, and the Lord, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, at his saying, and cast her in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there should be no end. Then said Mary, being overwhelmed with all of this unto the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I know not? A man. He goes forth, says the Holy Spirit's going to be the author and the one that's working in all of this. And then in verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So we have these two stories. We have Isaac who is born of parents who are basically dead biologically. <laughs> 90 years old, 100 years old. I think in the past, as I've read articles and things have popped up in, uh, in the news, I think the oldest woman I ever saw or read about that had a baby was 60 years old. Any volunteers for that? I don't think so. And so that's uh, incredible in itself, 60 years old, that we would find a, a lady but here we have a teenager, and not only a teenager, one that has no relationship with a man. <laughs> and she said, how, how can that possibly be? And of course, Gabriel tells her the Holy Spirit's going to be the author of all this. And then God adds the very fact, nothing's too hard for God. Everything's possible with God. So therefore, I have my title tonight, what a mighty God we serve. And I want to bring this down to, it's a topical message, so there's several things I want to remind us about in this idea that we serve such a mighty God. Here we have Isaac who is born in a miraculous way. We have the Lord Jesus Christ born in a miraculous way. I remember hearing this story about a couple that had tried for years and years to have a child. And uh, so they, uh, you know, they had prayed. Nothing had happened at this point and it had been a long time getting a little discouraged and we've seen couples go through this kind of thing. And they they heard their pastor talking about anointing people with oil, praying for them, and uh, whether it's sickness or whatever the case. So anyway, they, they, um, they, uh, the pastor came over to visit them at their home. He knew they were discouraged and all that. And while he's there, they said, Pastor, we heard that you can anoint people and pray over them 
and we'd like you to do that for us. <laughs> well, he's a little flabbergasted, caught by surprise, but, and he said, well, I, you know, I'd love to do that, and I certainly believe that, but listen, I don't, I don't even have any oil with me. I don't have typically a little bottle of olive oil or something, uh, you know, whatever, and, and the man said, well, I, I've got some. I've got some three-in-one oil. Will that be okay? So the pastor said, yeah, I suppose that'd be okay. It's oil. It's representative of the Holy Spirit of God. And so he brought out the oil. He, uh, he uh, anointed them, prayed over them. And lo and behold, uh, she it comes with child. And uh, later on, they have um, uh, delivery time comes. They call the pastor and said, we've got a big surprise. There's not just one heartbeat. There's not just two heartbeats. There's three. We're going to have triplets. And uh, so <laughs> as he's coming to visit with them, the, the couple's rejoicing and rejoicing and rejoicing. And he said, you know, I understand, you know, that you would rejoice over this, but this has got to be kind of a shock. And said, well, we're not rejoicing over the fact that we're going to have three. We're just glad you didn't use WD-40. <laughs> I don't know what kind of power they thought he had, but uh, three in one oil versus 40, WD-40. Our God's a mighty God. He can do anything. That's a little joke side of it. But, you know, our God is a mighty God. Nothing is impossible for our God. It doesn't matter whether it's on a world scale, a national scale, a personal scale, a church scale. Nothing is impossible for God. So let me just mention a couple things just to remind us. You know these things already. But number one, there is no promise. There is no promise that God cannot keep. Not a one. I mean, every promise that God makes, He can keep. Now, to be more uh, specific about that, you say, well, preacher, what do you mean? What kind of promises? We could think of all kinds of promises, but I think the one important promise would be heaven. <laughs> Is there really a heaven? And I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Luke 23, 42, when He was talking to the thief on the cross who was dying. He said, uh, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Paradise, the, the Lord's place, His house. I heard a song the other day. I was painting a room and I was listening to that old song that some calls it paradise, some calls it Beulah land. He said, but I call it home. Well, one day I'm going to call it home myself. <laughs> okay, and that's where my aunt is, a believer. I, I have trusted Christ and, uh, you know, she's with the Lord in heaven now. But uh, is there really a heaven? Yes, there is. God promised there's a heaven. There is a heaven. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's, it's a real thing. The second question that would go along with that was, is it possible to go there? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. If He's made a promise of heaven for us, He's made a way to get there. John chapter 14, you're familiar with that. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. So God has a heaven for us. There's not a promise that He cannot keep when it comes to this matter of heaven. That heaven is a real place and He can get us there, thank God, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, concerning happiness. Because we turn our thoughts from heaven. I, certainly when I die, I want to know there's a place I'm going to and that's heaven that God's described for us. I want to know that I can get there. He said He would take me by His, by His power and by His strength, believing in Him. But how about living here now? This is the place that I have to endure. So how about happiness? Is there a possibility with all the things that are going on, 
with all the sadness, with all the tragedy. And uh, the truth of the matter is people getting meaner and meaner. I mean, so, so many things are going on. We have to be careful. America's not what it used to be. And so there's, uh, there's concern about different things. And so what about happiness here, though? Well, well I'm reminded that there were many other generations that uh, had to, the first century Christians and many others that had to live and even live now in the 1040 window that... Uh, we have it a whole lot better than they do from that standpoint. But God has said, peace in your heart, just cast all your care on me, for I care for you. That's what the Lord said. You say, well, I just don't know about that. Troubles and trials seem to follow me, seem to haunt me. Well, listen, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, he said, if we'll cast our care upon him, he cares for us. He'll take, if our minds are stayed upon him, he'll give us peace in our heart. Is that true or is that not true? And then I go to these pivotal issues. Isaac being born to parents basically biologically dead. The Lord Jesus, born of a virgin. If he can do those things, then he can keep any promise there is in the book. Concerning heaven, concerning happiness, peace, peace in my heart. How about peace in my home? Well, we know that can happen as well. I think about the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved and thy house. So it's a possibility a home can be saved. Everyone in the home. Uh, how about provisional help? How about the needs that I have when it comes to uh, finances and those kind of things? Well, obviously, he has promised us that if we would seek him first, that he would provide all these things for us. Philippians 4.19 that we know so well. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We know he'll do that. I'd been thinking when I knew the Lord wanted me to go this route, I'd been thinking much of the day and even last night about one of the things that happened to Vicki and I early on. I think God does some of these things in order to help us to get a grip on the fact that He supplies our needs, that He takes care of us, that He goes ahead of us. And so the very first church we ever worked in as a couple was in southern Ohio. And uh, while we were there, we, uh, we, we made very little money, as most young couples do. And uh, I had worked during the week, and uh, we had uh, used our money, I think, frugally and properly. But uh, my car was out of gas. I had to go to work on, on Monday morning, and I had visits to make. And, man, I was, um, I was riding close to empty. As we say, I was riding on fumes at that point. And Vicki and I had prayed about it and talked about it. And, you know, uh, again, casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you. And I thought, man, this is crazy to worry about something like this. I mean, God can take care of this. We just gotta, we just gotta trust Him. And so I got in the car, went on to work and, uh, had a meeting with the pastor that morning and then set out to do my, do my work. Well, my first call was a little lady that had been in the hospital I'd visited with several times, and she just lived around the corner at that point, maybe about a mile or so. So I went down, visited with her and her husband, and prayed with them, and got ready to leave. And she said, Brother Jim, wait just a minute. I, I've got something for you. So she went to the back of the house. I'm waiting at the front door. She comes, and she has something in her hand, and she hands it to me. And, and, and I said, well, thank you. I didn't know what it was. I was hoping it was money, but uh, I didn't know what it was, and it was. I figured it was that. So anyway, I put it in my pocket, uh, anxious to know what it is, by the way, and uh, thanked her very much, and I may have prayed with her again, and, and slipped out and got in my car. And so um, cranked it up, and I pulled around the corner, 
and stopped. I mean, I'm running out of gas, okay? And I want to see. So I reached in my pocket and pulled it out, and it's a $5 bill. You say, well, that'll, that'll get you going. No, no. This is 1974. That's a whole tank of gas. <laughs> and the gas station was only three blocks farther down the street. God supplies. There's no reason to doubt him. That's very simplistic and a very crude illustration. But I want to tell you, early in the ministry, that was one of those lessons that God said, I'll take care of you. And he has all these years. What a mighty God we serve. He knows where every one of us are. He knows what our needs are. He knows our struggles. And he's always there to meet the need for us. There's not a promise that he cannot keep. But I go on and say there's not a prayer that he cannot answer. Whatever that prayer may be, and that may involve a problem, it may involve, you, you might put it under that category, but nonetheless, the prayers that we pray for so many people, we have a huge list here at our church of people that have needs, physical needs, financial needs, other, other needs, family needs, and, and uh, ministry needs that we have that we pray for, uh, that we need staff members, and there's so many needs that are around. And so God hears and answers prayer. We, we hear that all the time. Do we believe that? Is there anything too hard for God? Now, our problem with God is on a time frame. I want it now. We, you know, we're just the Burger King generation. I want it my way and I want it now. I want it now. That's the problem. And yet the Scripture constantly uses the word Wait. Particularly in Isaiah, wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength. Wait on the Lord. He'll provide. There's not a prayer he cannot answer. I just went through a little exercises in my mind. If he can make a universe from absolutely nothing, he can answer my prayers. If he can make a man from the dust of the earth, he can answer my prayers. If he can birth his son from a virgin, <laughs> he can answer my prayers. There is no prayer that he cannot answer. What a mighty God we serve. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Well, that's certainly true. And an exercise again, if he can make the lame to walk, if he can make the blind to see, if he can cause himself to die and bring himself back to life, there is nothing that God cannot do. There's not a prayer that he cannot answer. I... Uh, Usually I struggle a little bit thinking about, okay, so what has happened recently that you've prayed for? And I always struggle with that. I, I never got into the habit of journaling. I wished I had. I, I don't journal now. I, be, I should be writing down all the things that God's done for me all these years. And it's the typical situation when you're down at the minute and you try to think of something, you got a brain block, right? <laughs> Maybe it's old age. I don't know. But I usually then I can't think of them at that point. I think of some things that have been pivotal in my life, but there's not a prayer that He cannot answer. Number one, I think about Baba that Hemet has talked about 40 years, was it? 40 days he sought for somebody to speak to him about God. If there is really a God, send somebody my way, and then they show up, His people show up. Listen, God knows where every last one of us are and what's going on. Um, I was preaching for a, a gentleman, um, it's not been too long ago, up in Virginia. And... Um, 
You, you know, it was, a, it was a good service. Matter of fact, we were with the Southeastern Ensemble. They were singing, and so I preached. And after the, during the invitation, it, it was a large church. It was more of a shotgun-type church. And, and a lady stepped out from the left side, and she makes her way down to the altar. Well, while she's there, people began to trickle to the altar and begin to pray and begin to cry. And, and I assumed the man that was with her husband had come down with her. And so after it was over with the dismissal and all that, they've got a few snacks for us before we head back to Southeastern. And so, but while we're sitting there, I'm sitting with the pastor and I said, by the way, what was that all about? You know, there were no other people on the, there might have been one or two, but this was particularly noteworthy and caught my, I said, what was going on there? And he said, oh, what a blessing. He said, that was the wife of one of our trustees. And he said, For years we have been praying for her to be saved. For years she has mocked her husband. He's a trustee in the church, faithful every service and loves the Lord, but she was not a believer and she just made fun of him and mocked him and ridiculed him. And she came to church tonight and got saved. We'd been praying for her for years. What a mighty God we serve. He answers prayer on any kind of scale. I did have a point where I talked about there's no person that God cannot save, and that's absolutely true, who will surrender to Him. But there is no prayer that He cannot answer. I thought of one in particular that, uh, as I say, think about some pivotal things at that point. Um, I was at Southeastern at a conference one year, years ago, when I was pastoring in the western part of the state. We had uh, grown significantly. We had bought a piece of property and we were in the process of, of building a church. And uh, so I'm at the conference and one of my men, one of my deacons who was also uh, great at uh, logistics and, and construction and that kind of thing, he, get, he, he called me on the phone. And he said, uh, Brother Jim, you've got to come back right now. I said, we're, we've got a real problem here with our building. And uh, he, he mentioned a little bit of the circumstances. Well, the man that was behind the property didn't want us to be there to begin with. And uh, he had given us some difficulties. He was a contract, big contractor in, in, um, in Charlotte. And so he had kind of tried to roadblock us on a number of occasions. And so this gentleman that was my deacon, Frank, he said, you know, he just, uh, he is not pleased at all. I said, okay. I said, well, I'll... I'll come right on. I'll leave and come right on. So um, there was a break in the action of preaching and all that. So before everybody left, I said, before you pray, I have a prayer request. Uh, this gentleman has given us a lot of problems. God has guided us through this whole thing, supplied property for us in a miraculous way. And now this one guy standing in the way of doing some things. We've tried to be kind and nice. And it's, uh, anyway... I'm heading home if you'd pray for my safety and pray for that circumstance. So they did. They prayed then, and I rest assured there were many that prayed in the process. Well, I, when I pulled into Lincolnton, I went ahead and went right to the property. And uh, when I pulled onto the property, Frank comes walking from the layout towards me. And so I make my way to him, and he's by himself, and... When we get close enough, boy, it was a bright, sunshiny day, kind of like the day. And uh, he, he was smiling. I said, I thought you said this was a bad situation. He said, it was. 
He said, uh, the guy didn't like where we had our building and wanted us to move it. And he said, so I moved it, and actually, he just kind of, it was like this, and he said, I moved this corner up here 19 inches. <laughs> 19 inches. And the guy was satisfied. <laughs> I'm saying, what? <laughs> 19 inches? He said, and I stopped for a moment. I said, Frank, I believe this is an answer to prayer. I believe God changed his mind. You see, there is no prayer that God cannot answer. Another element, there's no place God cannot send revival, but that's not, you know, that's not the big thing right now. It's just there is no problem that God cannot handle. He brought Isaac in this world to be a blessing to the whole world, generation after generation, brought Jesus Christ into the world that we could be saved and know for sure we're going to... There's nothing that God cannot do. I know we read the Bible, uh, we talk, uh, we uh, preach, we teach, and we teach these things, but then when it comes down to crunch time, we have a tendency, me included, we have a tendency to kind of stow up a little bit and want to... Well, is this really true now? Can I say today, it is. What a mighty God we serve. So I don't know what's going on in your life. I just want you to know that we serve a mighty God. He can do absolutely anything. On these two pivotal illustrations alone ought to prove to us our God can do absolutely anything. Hang on to those. That's why He gave us the Bible to begin with. is so that this can be a sure foundation for us. This is His declaration to me and His declaration to you. It stands firm in heaven. He can answer every promise there is. He can answer every prayer that we pray. And He can solve any problem that any one of us has. We just simply need to learn to trust Him. Only trust Him. Probably my... Favorite song, only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Jesus now. Let's stand and bow our heads just for a few moments. I'm going to pray and then Brother Hemet will come and lead us in uh, our prayer over some requests. Father, it is always a privilege to preach Your Word. It's always a privilege to be with Your people. And... Sometimes we say, you know, we don't know why you lead us to a certain place. And I know we've had our struggles, we've had our difficulties, we've got staff positions that need to be filled, and our pastor needs to be lifted in prayer. And our church, uh, we just need your presence more than ever before. We always need your presence. But Lord, these are, these are days when we need you to show yourself mighty, but I understand what that means as well. That means we need to show uncharacteristic faith and trust in you. So I pray that you would help us to do that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. We trust you to guide every one of our footsteps, our path, as well as our church and our leadership. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.